Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of any assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. Jesus had spent time praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. His prayer was intense, to say the least. Today on Drawing Near, we see God's answer to Jesus' prayer as Jesus is arrested in the garden. Let's take our Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 22, and study Betrayal and Arrest. And in preparation for our study, let's pray together. And our Father in heaven, as we come before you, it's kind of interesting to think that we're looking at your answer to Jesus' prayer. We often think of answered prayer as being positive, or at least you're doing what we want you to do. But Father, you always answer a believer's prayer. You answer yes or no, sometimes wait and be patient. But you're not silent. You don't sit in heaven and remain immobile. You work, you act, you answer, you move. And Father, we're grateful for this. I pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts, that you would increase our faith and understanding so that we could see your presence and your power in answered prayer. And I thank you, Father, for answering Jesus' prayer this way, because in this answered prayer, you provide for the salvation of all of us. Father, we're grateful that through faith in Jesus Christ alone, we can be saved. Now, Father, open our eyes and ears to the truths of your word. Give us discernment and understanding. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Our scripture today is Luke 22, verses 47 through 53. We'll begin reading in verse 47, and we're told, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? No doubt you are somewhat familiar with the details of this passage. It's told a little differently in some of the other Gospels, but essentially Judas Iscariot had conspired with the high priest, with the priests in the temple, to betray Jesus for some money, and he was going to give a sign to those who followed the soldiers with a kiss. He was going to kiss Jesus and identify who Jesus was and that they were to arrest him. And so as Judas approaches and he draws near to Jesus to kiss him, Jesus confronts Judas and asks, Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? It's a very tragic event that takes place here. For Judas had been one of the twelve disciples, as we're told in this passage, and he had walked with Jesus for three years. He'd been entrusted with the money box, and he had been greedy, and he'd been hypocritical in all of these things. But Jesus knew that Judas was going to fulfill this role. And there are many questions that come up regarding how the church is to function if we consider Judas's role. Many people are very, very particular about who serves what and who does what within the church. And we ought to be concerned. There ought to be qualifications that are met. And yet Jesus, with full knowledge, allows Judas Iscariot, one who had problems with his heart, one who was somewhat greedy, who had acted as a thief during the life and ministry of Jesus, he let him serve this entire time because God had a purpose. And it may be that the church needs to trust in the sovereignty of God a lot more than what we do. Because there may be purposes in some people serving 
that we can't see. And you can pray about that and consider those things, and there are a lot of arguments one way or the other regarding that. But Judas comes to betray Jesus with a kiss. Verse 49, when the disciples around Jesus saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? Jesus had told them in the upper room that they were to sell what they had and buy a sword if they needed one. They had two swords, and Jesus says it's enough. In verse 50, one of them, we're told in another gospel, it's Peter, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Now, I think there's some humorous things regarding that. Evidently, Peter wasn't very good with a sword. He cut off the right ear. I don't know if he was aiming at cutting off his head or if he was just slicing down, trying to strike him on the shoulder. We don't know what's going on. But the right ear of this servant is cut off. That must have alarmed everybody there, the soldiers, Judas, anybody else who came in this multitude. But Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched and healed the ear of the servant. Isn't that something to think about? In the midst of this betrayal, in the midst of all the agony of the upper room and the journey to the garden and the prayer in the garden, the sweating of the great drops of blood, the betrayal of Judas Iscariot, Jesus is about to be arrested. There's this moment of violence, this altercation between Peter, and Jesus stops, tells his disciples that they're to permit this, that this must go forward, and he touches and heals his enemy's ear. That's what Jesus does in this. He heals his enemy's ear. Verse 52, then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? That tells you how they were armed, right? Verse 53, when I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. They could have seized Jesus at any time they wanted. But you see, they were cowardly. They were afraid. They didn't want to do this in public where the people could revolt. They were afraid of the people, as we're told over and over and over again in the Gospels. But they come out secretly at night. They conspire to see Jesus. Actually, they're acting in an underhanded way, not Jesus. They're the ones who are doing crimes and are going to continue doing crimes all night long, not only against God, but against the law of God, against their own law by falsely accusing Christ, by not publicly addressing the fact of his accusations and giving opportunity for people to come to his defense. They're going to break all sorts of laws. Jesus has broken no law, no law of man, no law of God. He is sinless, and yet the criminals and the sinners are coming to take Jesus. He says, you could have done this any time. Why do you do it now? And then at the end of verse 53, we're brought back to the idea of God's sovereignty. Jesus says to them, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. This was their hour. This was the hour for Satan. This was the hour foretold long ago in the Garden of Eden that the seed of the woman would crush the head of Satan. This altercation has been coming for thousands of years, even before then. From the time of Satan's rebellion against God and fell, this time was coming. Because Jesus doesn't simply come to die on the cross for our sins. He certainly does that. But he comes to die on the cross and resurrect from the dead, that he could be exalted and given a name which is above every name, that he could be Lord of all, that he could open the seals of the scroll, that he could unleash the judgment of God against Satan and the Antichrist, 
Jesus came to win the war of God against all of his enemies, Satan and the fallen angels included. But this is their hour. This is the hour of the power of darkness. And so Jesus allows himself to be taken. They couldn't take him by force. He had power to call down angels from heaven. He had power in his own voice to topple his enemies. He surrenders himself into their hands because God is answering his prayer. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God wants Jesus to drink this cup. And so he does. Do you think about answered prayer that way? We pray, we seek God's face, we ask him to act, we surrender ourselves to his will. Are we willing to accept the outcome? Paul prays three times that the thorn in his flesh be removed, and it wasn't. We don't see him continuing to pray. We don't see him saying, God didn't answer my prayer. He accepts the will of God. We need to do that. Whether it's over illness, whether it's over circumstances or relationships, we pray, walk with God, surrender ourselves to his will, and accept what he does. That's important to understand. Jesus gives us that marvelous example. And in the midst of this horrible thing, this crucifixion and this beating and this scourging and all of the things that are about to take place, the ultimate result is Jesus dies for our sin resurrects from the dead, and brings salvation to many. Hallelujah for that. He glorifies the Father. He has glorified himself. For the joy that was before him, he endures the cross, despising its shame. Praise the Lord for that. Out of what appears to be tragedy, God brings great victory. He can do that in our lives as well. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage. And we ask, Father, that you would give us wisdom and discernment, that we would understand your scriptures and how to apply them and how to think through them. But we would also see what you have done in history and what you continue to do. And by your Holy Spirit, understand and rejoice and exalt you. Father, help us to glorify you in every way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page, Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, He will draw near to us.